Keeping up on Seattle-area politics is tough. Who has time to sit through a three-hour council meeting and sort out which decisions will affect you most? Please vote aye. 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 Well, what if getting caught up on current events was as simple as getting a cup of coffee with some City Hall insiders who know which stories are hot and which are not? Welcome to Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening into our podcast. A quick note here from Brian Callanan, your host. Right after Kevin Schofield and I recorded this episode, there was some big breaking news from the city council in Seattle. In response to the coronavirus, the council, all of its staff, is going to be telecommuting for the rest of March, holding its Monday afternoon weekly council meetings by phone instead of in person, canceling committee meetings, too, for the remainder of the month. So we're going to have a full report on that next week. But didn't want any of you to be caught unaware when the lights are out on the second floor of City Hall this week. So still plenty to talk about here. We'll pick it up as I jump in with Kevin at the start of the show. Thanks for listening. Quick warning, this podcast uses cookies. I'm talking about the baked goods, actually, but another foray into the world of baking at the end of the program. Of course, got to do that. But to begin, I'm Brian Callanan. I'm a host on Seattle Channel. The views expressed here are my own. Alongside me is Seattle City Council Insights, Kevin Schofield. Kevin, good to see you. Hey, Brian. I'm spying those cookies over there. They're I know. Good. I, I know. Yeah, I think we may be rushing through this one. Coming right up. Coming right up. And uh, hey, I wanted to say congratulations. This is our 10th episode. Woo! 10 yeah. episodes. That's 10 great. podcasts. We're in the house. Who would have thought we'd last? So I know. I know. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, couldn't have done it without City Grind Espresso. It's the coffee stand on the first floor of City Hall. John and Charlie, the owners there, they not only serve up a great cup, they have the coveted role of being our background noise sponsor. So thank you, John and Charlie, for that. Let's get going with Right Here, Right Now. All right, definitely some serious news to start off here, Kevin, talking about the coronavirus. And if you're listening, please do remain calm, wash your hands, make sure you're safe. This is a citywide, statewide, worldwide issue. Seattle now in a state of emergency dealing with COVID-19, the disease caused by the coronavirus. The state of Washington, the first in the country to declare a state of emergency at the end of February after the first death linked to the virus occurred here. We, of course, had a recent visit in our state from Vice President Pence, the federal government saying, we're with you. The numbers as we're recording this show, we've got upwards of 70 cases in our state, more than 11 deaths, the highest in the country on both counts there. The virus, the latest reports I'm looking at, at least 20 states out there, we're going to continue to see this spread as testing kicks into higher gear. And Kevin, if we could, let's focus on Seattle to start. I know the council is getting a briefing from the Seattle King County Public Health Department on March 9th. What are they going to be talking about? What's next here? Yeah, and in fact, just this past week, there was already a briefing uh, for the city council right. uh, from department heads for the city as well as King County Public Health. Mm-hmm. They're talking about what the response is, what are they doing in terms of testing, what are they in terms of, uh, doing in terms of uh, giving guidance to local schools, yeah, right. to businesses, to nonprofits, mm-hmm. to you know government employees, the city, county, state level, sure. as to uh, whether people should be going to work or yeah, trying to get a lot of people to stay home. home. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, who needs to get tested? So mm-hmm. there, you know, there's lots of information and advice being uh, rolled out. Yeah, and I know there's there's some 
information out there that we need to make sure that we're talking to people about this whole concept of a vaccine. A lot of people have, of course, let's have a vaccine. Let's make that happen right now. Kaiser Permanente is working on a vaccine here. I know UW is working on that as well. But in terms of some magic answer that we're going to have next week, that's not happening. And I want to make sure that we're clear about that. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, there's there's been this perspective over the last month mm-hmm. that we're trying to slow down the spread of the coronavirus so that we have time to develop a vaccine yeah. and effective treatments to this. But what's become clear really over the last couple of weeks is that a vaccine for coronavirus, and as you mentioned, there are a bunch of organizations both in the, in, in the Seattle area, and in the country, around the, country, around yeah. the world, yeah. that are working on vaccines for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It is going to take 12 to 18 months to develop one. So, yeah. you know, the reality on the ground is we are going to ride this thing out this year yeah. through, the rest, through the rest of 2020 and probably a little bit in 2021 yeah. with, with whatever effective treatments we can. But there is no vaccine that's suddenly going to show up. Yeah, and in terms of what the city is doing, I know Mayor Durkin has some emergency powers because of the state of emergency that was declared. And I know the the council and the mayor are concerned about making some sort of connection with unauthorized homeless encampments there. I wanted to talk about that because Mayor Durkin was talking about perhaps building some more shelters of some nature, at least temporary shelters. And, and, and your thoughts about that, a little back and forth between the mayor and the council regarding that specifically. Yeah, so I, I think the council has raised some concerns, which are very valid concerns yeah. about a situation like this. Yes, we're looking at uh, an epidemic and potentially a pandemic yep. around this. And uh, and when you look at, say, for example, how China yeah. uh, responded to this, what China did... To or did not about, respond right away. I mean, well, they, they were super quiet, but when they yeah. did respond, it was, they responded yeah. in some ways very draconian, yes. in, in a very draconian fashion, yeah. by basically telling people to stay home. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they you know imposed a curfew over large areas not just at night, but mm-hmm. during the day as right, well. Right, right, right. And that, in many ways, is very effective at stopping the transmission for this. Mm-hmm. But it curtailed civil liberties in a of big course, way to do that. Yeah. So what the council yeah. has said in pushing yeah. back on the mayor is, you, you need to do this. We, we support the emergency powers and emergency responses because it is an emergency. Yeah. But we need to do this in the way which puts the least restrictions on civil liberties. Mm-hmm. And that applies not just to the general population, but in particular to vulnerable populations, yeah. uh, such as our homeless population sure. here, here in Seattle. Yeah. So we could lock them all up. Yeah, right, right. But that That's would be a very extreme approach to curtailing their civil liberties, yeah. and and that's not one that the council would favor. I, I think you're right about that, and I think it's important to point out as well, the state working with King County is trying to create some new facilities to quarantine people who might be exposed to the virus. There's a motel in Kent. I know there's some pushback about that, some modular housing units planned for White Center. Uh, we've heard from a few different elected officials. I know Joe Wen, who represents that area around White Center. I know the mayor of Kent was talking about this too, saying, wait a minute, we weren't consulted on this. Why are you just dumping these in communities of, of this nature? I think some people feel targeted in some ways like that. I, I don't know your thoughts about that when you see those different facilities being cited in different areas. Well, I think, uh, you know, when they say facilities like this, they obviously want to put them in a place that's going to be outside of dense yeah, populations. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right? Coronavirus has no signs that it's that it transmits, you know, just through the air. Right, in general. right. It really sort of has to be close contact. Mm-hmm. Very much right? like the flu as so, we know it. Yeah. yeah so, you know, there, there's a natural tendency to want to find places where 
you know, just general contact with a large, dense population mm -hmm. is not going to happen every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when when they were starting to transport people back from, you know, American citizens in China right. and from the Diamond Princess, yeah, the they set up a facility outside of North Bend. Yep. Yep. To do that, which is a Washington State Patrol training facility. Yes. Right. 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 Again, out of the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. which in some ways is, you know, Kind of a, in some ways a good good, a good facility place to, to have. To yeah. Do that. yeah, You can certainly understand that nearby towns and cities would want to be consulted. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. We're in the middle of an emergency though now, and so much more ahead with this. We of course are going to be keeping tabs on what's happening here. Public health doing a lot of work with this. I know that health officials are very concerned about the Life Care Center, that nursing facility in Kirkland, where there have been a number of different cases here. But this is going to get worse in terms of numbers before it gets better. Right. But, let, I mean, we, we want to be super clear on this. The big issue that in the response so far mm -hmm. in the country has been lack of testing. Yes. Right. right. And now that we, we have more we, testing. We, we yeah. know it's been spreading. Yeah. Right. And thank goodness the vast majority of people who get coronavirus have very mild true, cases. In true, fact, true. it's kind of interesting that, that really there have been no serious cases among children at all. Knock right? on wood. Yep. There, were, there mm -hmm. were essentially none in China. Yeah. And... Other countries are seeing essentially none. So right. far, we've seen none here. Now, there are children who have uh, underlying medical conditions yes. who are going to be more vulnerable. And so we need to be yep. careful about them yep. as well. In particular, the places where we want to take more precautions are around the really vulnerable yep. populations. The elderly, the, the ones who have these kinds of underlying medical conditions. Yep. Um, and so what we're going to see now that finally they're really ramping yeah. up the testing yeah. is we are going to see more cases. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there's suddenly an explosion yeah. of transmission of this. There's just more right? testing going on. The, the, yeah. the, the, the data so far says that um, basically every person who gets this is going to pass it on to another two people. Yeah. And the incubation period is about six days. Right, right, so, right. You know, somewhere between four and 14, but mm -hmm. generally about six. Yeah, yeah. So about every week, we'll probably see the number of people who have this double unless we take really very serious precautions mm -hmm. and measures to try to slow it down. Right. right. Thank you very much for that, Kevin. Let's move on to Now Hear This. Okay, so in this segment of the show, we're reviewing some of the activity over the last week, listening into what city leaders are saying about it. I wanted to start with Tax Amazon. This is a new piece of legislation co-sponsored by Council Members Sawant and Morales. Council Member Sawant is looking for $300 million per year from companies like Amazon, corporations with at least $7 million in annual, annual revenue. It impacts about 825 companies, or 3% of all Seattle businesses, she tells us. Now, this package has a lower tax rate, if you will, than what Sawant was talking about before, 0.7%, as opposed to 1.7%. And here's the challenge she laid on Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. I uh, uh, defy Jeff Bezos to tell us, explain to us why the richest guy in the world who just bought a $165 million mansion in Los Angeles cannot pay a tax rate of 0.7% on the, uh, you know, just unimaginable profits that they make. Okay, just to add to this, in the background, a state measure also at work here, House Bill 2948, that would have taxed big businesses across King County. Looks like it's on life support, if that, in Olympia right now, that session wrapping up 
in Olympia on the 12th of March. Now, this bill, House Bill 2948, supported by Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, also the executive, King County Executive Dow Constantine, would authorize King County to raise as much as $152 million a year by taxing compensation paid by big businesses to employees making at least $150,000 a year. So, here's what Councilmember Morales had to say about Here's what Councilmember Morales had to say about what's happening at the state level. As we wait uh, for another legislative session in Olympia to come to a close, as we wait for uh, for them to address our state's upside-down tax structure, the city has to move forward. And as we've said before, that state bill is important because it could potentially have a preemption or ban on cities from passing their own business tax legislation on top of what the state is allowing for. But it really doesn't look right now like that state measure is going to pass. So, Kevin, let's break it down. Tax Amazon, a lot going on here. I know there's some ethics concerns that we'll get to in just a minute. But your your thoughts about this? This really got pushed last week. And I think council member Sawant now having the backing of another council member might feel a little more emboldened about it. Yeah, and uh, Councilmember Swan, Councilmember Morales have really been joined at the hip so far. Yeah, sure since seems the like it. Of the year. They are voting as a block very consistently. Yeah, it, and it's really no surprise that they've come out together and 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 co-sponsored this legislation. Yeah, the which, first piece of of, of legislation that uh, Morales has uh, yeah, sponsored. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, listening to Swan talk about this, <laughs> I just let me just go off on a rant. I know a he, here. Kevin's uh, a little cranky today. She, here we go. Uh, Sawant, so uh, yeah, this is going to be me being a little cranky. <laughs> That's all right. So um, Councilmember Sawant likes to you know say that she's a PhD economist and she does have a PhD in economics from mm-hmm. University if you've never ever heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> listening to statements like this. It just it makes me feel like she's just not a very mm. good economist. Right? Which she's just, talking about a tax on, on profits. She just yeah. constantly conflates revenues and profits, and in this case, payroll. You know, yeah. she you, we heard her say 0.7 percent of the profits. She can't even keep track of her own legislation because it doesn't <laughs> tax profits. Yeah, it taxes payroll. Right. Which for a lot of these companies, including Amazon, is much bigger than profits. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I think she'd say you're putting a fine point on it, but I, I get what you're saying. This is it's. It's a message she said before about Amazon, I suppose. Yeah, and so you know, the the big policy issue here is are companies paying their fair share yeah, in taxes? Right. So when companies such as Amazon pay B and O tax, they mm-hmm. pay property tax, they pay sales tax yep. on you know, items that they purchase. Yes, they you know pay income tax, they pay uh, you know Social Security tax, Medicare tax, and all these other things. Um, is that enough? Yeah. Should they be paying more? And there is certainly a very legitimate policy discussion mm-hmm. to be had about that. We tend to have that discussion without a ton of data, yeah. right? We don't really know the details of how much B&O tax they pay. Like, yeah. We actually know a fair amount about Amazon and how much... Um, how much they pay in property taxes yeah, yeah, yeah. locally because because property taxes and property valuations are mm-hmm. actually um, are actually published by yeah. the city. They are, right, right. they are public information. Right. So, you know, we have just sort of partial information, so it's really hard to have a good kind of healthy debate about what fair share is. And a lot of it's just yeah. a larger kind of political discussion about, you know, about, you know, what organizations and what companies and what industries we favor. Yeah, right? yeah. And larger, you know, political discussions about do we want to be promoting jobs yeah. or not, yeah. right? And does a payroll tax 
become a disincentive for jobs. Yeah, we're the we're the most regressive tax state in the country. You'll hear that mm-hmm. a lot too. Yep. And it's always important to point out where these dollars are going. Uh, the state's plan and Councilmember Swan's plan, really talking about affordable housing related services. There also Swan's plan talking about putting twenty five percent of the revenue into clean energy upgrades to existing homes. There, uh, this is interesting to me though, Kevin. So this has been introduced. It is not a ballot measure, at least not as of yet. I'm trying to figure out council members. We're all talking about this as candidates on the on the campaign trail. Progressive revenue, progressive net revenue. We heard that a ton. Where do you think we are now? Are they willing to jump on board with this new legislation sponsored by council members Sawant and Morales? What do you think? I think they're going to be pretty nervous about a, yeah. a tax at large. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think a lot of them were hoping that HB twenty nine forty eight was going to give them some yeah. cover. Yep, yep, yep. This, right. Yeah. Where they could have. You know, a share of a county tax yeah. passing through to them, yeah. but they wouldn't have to go vote because this was this was a toxic issue yep. two years ago. Yep. This is really, really toxic. Yeah. And I don't think and, it's and, less toxic now. And you know, there were, and it is one of the big reasons why a bunch of incumbents didn't run for reelection. Yeah, right? yeah. I wanted to make sure I touched on at least what was going on with ethics concerns or whatever else. I know there's a an investigation surrounding Councilmember Swat now with regard to if indeed this does become a ballot measure, has she been promoting it, etc. All the, all this kind. Of stuff. I, I know there's a there's a hearing in the works for that. What, what's the latest on that, Kevin? Yeah, so uh, after the Seattle Ethics and Elections Commission filed charges against Councilmember Sawant mm-hmm. for using her city office and city resources to support a ballot initiative, which yeah. is clearly illegal under both state and city laws. Yeah. Um, there was a hearing scheduled for March 4th mm-hmm. on that. Uh, uh, the director of the Seattle Ethics and Elections Commission told me that uh, the council member Sawant has requested uh, an extension yeah. on that okay. postponement, and that was granted. So I haven't heard yet about what date that was rescheduled for, but okay. we should hear about that very shortly. Okay, thanks very much. I wanted to touch on briefly, too, something that happened last week in the council. Nathan Torgelson reappointed as head of S- uh, SDCI. You've been talking about this a little bit. Generally, people are thinking he's doing an okay job, but I, I know some critiques of the work he's done, too. Yeah, so the, the biggest pain point... Uh, for SDCI and developers yeah. has been that under Torgelson's uh, administration over the last two years, mm-hmm. they've rolled out a new permitting system, which yeah. was years in the making. Yeah. It was really expensive, and it was a disaster when yeah. they first rolled out. It was yeah. just hugely problematic. Yeah. They had tons of complaints about this. Things yeah. got stuck in the queue. Sure. Um, that came up almost not at all in the confirmation hearings for yeah. for uh, Torgelson when he came in front of the council. Yeah. So I think everybody is just kind of hoping that that is now in the past yeah. and, and they're moving on. And there's uh, the other complaint that w- you know that community members brought up mm-hmm. was from the um, the activists in the community who are really pushing for revamping the city's tree canopy ordinance right, right. To, to protect the trees that we have in the yep. city, which is something that SDCI nominally would be in charge of yeah. and really hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. And you know there are several city council members who've tried to push this along. Yeah, and, we know it. And have kind of died on that. It, on that it looks sword. like Dan yeah. Strauss is going to try again. Dan so Strauss we'll, is going to try again. Yeah, and and we'll see what happens. Okay. Later. All right. Thanks very much. Hey, let's move on to what's next. Kevin, there was an interesting turn of events uh, over the last week in the council where uh, Rentberry. I know you've written about this uh, quite a bit. This is that 
app. You see it online. It allows you to bid against other people uh, when you're looking to rent a place or whatever else. The eBay of the rental market, perhaps uh, you might call it that. So Councilmember Mosqueda's committee passed out of uh, out of committee uh, the repeal of a moratorium that was on Rentberry. Has been for the past couple of years here. An ordinance passed in March of 2018. It was extended once in 2019, but now. It's set to expire in July of this year, and council staff is saying, hey, you know what, let's lift this moratorium. And it seems like an interesting turn. Can, can you explain a little bit about the, some of the background behind it? Yeah, so this started two years ago when a bunch of UW students came to the city council yeah. and said, hey, this rent bidding thing, yeah. it's going to drive up rental prices. It's going to turn into already, Uber and Lyft already, and all it's, that. It's already, yeah. Well, it's already, you know, we already have, you know, an affordable housing crisis here in the city. It's make it so worse. Yeah. This is going to make it worse. Yeah. And a bunch of city council members, including Mosqueda, said, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And so let's put a one-year moratorium on this and we'll send off the Office of Housing to go study this. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they, they uh, two years ago in the spring, dropped a one-year moratorium on this. Yep. And kind of nothing happened in the study for a long time. Yeah. And then in the spring of last year, spring of 2019, mm-hmm. The, everybody woke up and realized, oh, Whoops. we're not we're not going to get that study done by <laughs> yes. the time this moratorium finishes. Yeah. So yeah. they extended it for another year. The study finished up in June, June. Yeah, of June last, last year, year. Right. and it basically said, well, you know, you guys <laughs> dropped this moratorium in place before rent bidding actually really yeah. had any substantial. Right, so they don't have data. Impact. Yeah. So we've got no. So we can't actually even tell. And oh, by right. the way, when you look around the whole country. It really hasn't taken off anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Right? So there's there's no you know there's no substantive data. But the one thing we can point to mm-hmm. is the city's first in time yes. tenant protection ordinance, right. right? Which says that which the Supreme Court has upheld. Yeah, the state Supreme Court has upheld it. Right. Uh, just this this past November. Yeah. And uh, the you know the the interesting thing there is rent bidding is almost certainly illegal under mm-hmm. that. So. Uh, pass out a committee, as you said, yeah. uh, this week, a repeal of that moratorium. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, Mosqueda and mm-hmm. others are saying is we're doing this so that we can actually let rent bidding systems get out there yeah. if, if they're going to and actually collect some data and yeah. study that and then make decisions about what to do if it really turns out to be a problem. But, you know, quite frankly, given that the first in time legislation has been upheld. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if it does actually show up here, yeah. it's going to instantly be illegal, and yeah. the, the the city could sue immediately to stop it yeah. under the first in time ordinance. So, Indeed. it's not really clear how yeah. it plays out, but the effect of, of repealing the the ban mm-hmm. will be nothing. Well, basically. yeah, yeah. It, it, interesting to see how that played out over the last couple of years. I wanted to touch on one uh, final issue here. Crosscut our friend David Croman uh, worked on an excellent piece about this, a poll that showed strong support for increasing the size of the police department, setting up a mandatory drug treatment facility and adding prosecutors, probation officers. They're talking about downtown safety. And I wanted to get your thoughts about this. I, I know a lot of different people are saying we got to do something about downtown safety. And here we go. A developer, Greg Smith, pretty much acting on his own, did this survey involving four to 500 people here, got back some results. And I, I wonder what you make of those, those results. Well, so I, I think in a lot of ways, they mirror the kinds of things that um, other surveys, like the, the Seattle Police Department yeah, does yeah, a yeah. survey, mm-hmm. a community survey do it every, every year. year. Yeah. And they get, they get very similar feedback, mm-hmm. back, which is that not just downtown, but across the city in a lot of areas, there is 
broad support mm-hmm. for increasing the size of the police department. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, because Greg Smith, this developer who worked on this, is angling towards possibly putting something on the ballot in November, some sort of uh, measure that would raise some dollars for different things. And it's just, it's a real laundry list of things that he's talking about here. I'm a little concerned or uh, questioning, I guess, the fact that he doesn't have support from more traditional groups, I guess, like the Downtown Seattle Association or the Chamber of Commerce. It, it leads me to question a few of these different things and wonder, really, who's who's running the ship here when it comes to uh, trying to figure out something w- like a downtown safety or a, a public safety type of uh, type of bill like this? Well, the DSA has really you know put their effort lined up behind LEAD, yeah, which is right. a Law enforcement program, asserted right? yeah, they, assisted they, diversion. They, yeah. they believe in compassionate approaches. Yeah. They believe in... Uh, in diversion, yeah, right? They, yeah. they understand there's a you know bulk of, of evidence now that yeah. shows that incarceration really doesn't yeah. sort of it re- does, doesn't rehabilitate people, yeah, right. Yeah. So we need to find other solutions to do that. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that that uh, you know he found in a survey was support for you know a mandatory treatment center yeah. for violent offenders with drug and alcohol addiction who refuse to follow court orders. So some yeah. of these prolific offenders we talked yeah, about, yeah, 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 right. And and yet there is also a bulk of studies that show that mandatory programs are not effective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless people really want yeah. to be there and be part of those programs, yeah. Yeah. it just it doesn't have an impact on them. It, it is a complicated issue, and I don't know if we're, we're to the end of it yet, but an interesting, interesting study there in Crosscut. All right, Kevin, we'll get into good, the there good we go. stuff here. Breaking it's time, out the good, it's time for baked out. goods. I'll give you a little, little smell first. Get a little uh, whiff there. It's yeah. the good stuff. So, full disclosure here, uh, I was mainly the ingredient purchaser and actually blew it on getting most of the ingredients but my daughter was the actual baker when it came down to this so these are the yin yang chocolate chip cookies they look, uh, if they you look will. gorgeous uh, grab one up and then you got to take a bite and talk with your mouth full and tell me what you think ah. okay so uh, just to give you the visual here folks so it's a it's a cookie it looks like a regular old chocolate ch- chocolate chip cookie but then hold it up to the mic here so hold, hold it up to the mic so you can see it through the through the uh, pleasure of your, your earbuds there um, it's half chocolate mm. chip cookie and then it's kind of carved out with some more uh, brownie mix type stuff in there to give it uh, a, a yin yang look if you will uh, Kevin your thoughts looks great um I'm liking the chocolate part. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all good. Yeah, it's all super yeah, right, good. Right. did a great job on these. Okay. Um, yeah. what, what, what needs work? What needs work? Well, you know, I make chocolate chip cookies often. <laughs> yes, one you thing, do. And one of the things that I do um, is, well, I, I, I goof with all recipes. I have yes, a hard yes. time ever just sort Yeah, of your sourdough cookies last week. One of the things I do with chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. when I make them is I substitute one cup of whole wheat flour mm. for one of the cups of white flour. Yeah, I call okay. It. it makes it a little chewier. Oh. It a little different texture, a little okay. flavor. Okay, so, okay. For all you guys out there who make chocolate chip cookies, that's just something to try. You know, and yeah, you can use it maybe like half a cup of, yeah, yeah. of wheat flour instead, okay. of, instead of white flour. And it just it 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 uh, it just makes a little difference. And because you know, I find that regular chocolate chip cookies they can just be a little too sweet. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you got all that sugar and all that brown sugar mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm, sure. And so just you know, putting some wheat flour there just kind of balances out a little bit more. Man, the things we learn on yeah. Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. Thank you also to my daughter for making these wonderful cookies. Thank Thanks you. Emma, thank you. you rule. Emma, All right. yeah, you rule. She made it work. All right, so the next time you want to know what's going on in local politics, give us a listen and find out what's brewing. You can reach us via email at seattlenewsviewsandbrews at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And thanks, everybody, for listening. 
Seattle News, Views, and Brews is an independent production of Calaman Media Services. Copyright 2020.